right, hey, 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 everybody, what's up? How are y'all doing today? That's right, you are on the air with another episode of A Power of Pops, coming to you from the center of my podcast universe, that would be Gainesville, Florida, uh, my hometown. Uh, today, I am sitting here at Lucy's Bar and Pub, downtown Gainesville, uh, uh, lucky enough to sit down with someone that... Uh, actually, I'd never really had a chance to sit down and talk too much, but uh, as I worked at Common Grounds for about eight years, I had seen this gentleman perform on many occasions, mm-hmm. and luckily for me, those were the years where I actually quit drinking and I was sober, so I got to enjoy those shows a lot more than I did shows when I was younger around here, for sure. Uh, great showman, uh, great music writer. Uh, I've watched some of the stuff that he does sometimes on uh, Facebook even. Sometimes I throw some uh, fun live stuff up there, which I do enjoy. Uh, he might, I think he needs some help with some carpentry. Um, <laughs> but uh, tonight I'm lucky enough to have a guest, and his name is... Jonathan Cootie. From... Divine Feed and, and Ninja Gun. <laughs> that's right, Divine Feed and Ninja Gun. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no problem, thank you. Man, uh, you are from Valdosta. Valdosta originally, right outside Valdosta. Okay. Uh, Brooks a, County, Georgia. So I, I'm taking a, 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 just a suburb of Valdosta or a smaller uh, town so outside it, of it? Yeah, it's a rural area. Uh, I grew up on a hog farm outside okay. of Valdosta, about 12, about 12 miles outside of Valdosta. Okay, so you hog farm. So uh, were you at, did you actually go through the hog farming experience growing up, like getting oh, up yeah. early in the a.m. and feeding? And yeah, and you know, coming home after school and when all your friends doing were hanging your chores. out and doing stuff, and I had to go home and feed hogs and stuff. And so I'd ride around in my dad's 87 Dodge and listen, nice. to, listen to my, you know, my Operation Ivy tapes or, <laughs> or whatever while right. I'm feeding hogs. So I was probably one of the only kids that was listening to my punk tapes right, and right. feeding hogs. Okay, that's, <laughs> how, let me, let me, let's get to how you got there. So, um, what was your, when was your first, uh... Um, introduction into music and when did it grab you for the very first time do you remember um, and what was it if you remember um, my aunt Shirley dancing me around to Shaboom and Smoke gets the in Shaboom Shaboom right yeah La-da-da-da-da. she, had, she okay. gave me the American Graffiti soundtrack on oh shit vinyl, it's a good album and it flipped me out and that was I mean, music has always had this really primal effect on me, and I, I knew from an early age that it uh, affected me maybe more so than some of my peers. Yeah, which I'm sure you probably were able to notice early on, weren't you? Yeah, just because it would stoke, you know, something would stoke me out, and then you try to tell your friend about it, and they don't They'd really, be like, whoa, well, get really it, bro. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. You dense motherfucker! <laughs> I mean, you're a great friend. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe around like uh, maybe like ten or eleven, I okay. started realizing that I like music more than most people. But yeah. it always it had always been a uh, you know yeah important integral part of my life even up to that point. Uh, did, uh, were you someone who used music as a uh, maybe prior to that even when you were younger if you remember and maybe even now as a, I mean I'm sure you might now because I do uh, as a place of like uh, comfort and solace in hard times yeah you know I think everybody needs to escape and that is uh, that's the medium that is, is readily available to a lot of kids especially in rural areas like Totally. You know, where I came from, if you're like a, a thoughtful, sensitive kid and you don't necessarily fit the, uh, the local mentality, you're going to find some means of escape and through art most of the time or, you know, like uh, TV or some form of fantasy or something like that. Yeah. But, but music just from a, a, a primal sense always affected me uh, in a really profound way. Okay. Just vibration and rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the sound of the human voice. And uh, what was the first shocking thing? What was uh, you got the graffiti thing? But what was the first thing that you were like that was like, 
holy shit. They like grabbed your fucking heart and was like, this is gonna be your fucking shit. You know, um, like, was there anything, like, is that in your teenage years? No, I mean, I, I was singing in church. I grew up in a southern, little Southern Baptist church. Okay, right so, on. Did the same? So I was like, uh. Mine was big, though. It was, yeah, oh, yeah, it was too Mega church. Oh, uh, it wasn't mega, it was like 600, 700 oh, okay. people. Yeah. But like we we had like a we actually had a General Bryant like an actual ex Confederate soldier that was in our church. Oh wow! I mean our church was they had Klan meetings in it until the seventies, uh, yeah. so it was like super Sarasota Southern right. Baptist. Oh, you know, yeah. like it had a history. Sarasota, it was in yeah, orange right. groves. You know, it was like planted in the middle of all these orange groves, right. pretty much, right. which is a weird place to put a church. You yeah. know. Yeah, but uh, churches are often fronts for that type of activity. Yeah, but I did some singing as well. So you did a lot of. Did you like do chorus and, uh, and chor- like do all the different types of things? And I sang in like youth choirs. Did you stuff. do plays? They did some stuff maybe around Christmas. I remember I was uh, Joseph as a little boy. I played like, Vinegar Boy. Vinegar Boy. Vinegar Boy. That was the play. I was ten years old. It was the lead role. I sung soprano, nice. and I had to sing a soprano piece all by myself with just the whole place dark and the light on me. <laughs> Scariest fucking thing I ever did. And I took tap jazz and ballet back then, right. and I could do that way less scary than this shit. Right? Yeah. See, it was weird. I always wanted to be an artist. They always made fun of me and was like, oh, you're gay. But my mom would put me in tap jazz and ballet and all these other types of things where my dad would be like, uh, in the 50s, this would be considered, uh, you know. But it's like, I, I, Vinegar Boy was a. It's a funny character because it's the it's the little boy at the cross who's given Jesus vinegar and water. Oh, for his uh, wounds. Or yeah, for his wounds and stuff. Oh, wow. And no one liked him because he had a big birthmark on his face. So they put a big birthmark on my face, and the Roman guards treated me like shit. Oh, wow. And stuff, and that was one of my religious. Sounds like psychic torture. It was, if you only fucking knew, (laughs) my friends, the wounds that I carry from that caca. Hey, you know. So so maybe yours wasn't as uh, hell, fire, and brimstone as mine, or did you do any, you guys have anything fun like that? Yeah, I mean, there was some speaking in tongues, and there was... Okay, yeah, yeah, we had that sometimes. But it was, you know, like, I, I don't know, but when you're immersed in that stuff and you have been your whole life, that's just normal. That's what, No, no, it your, is. Your version of normalcy well, because you don't know anything. Looking any back reality. on it, it was so comfortable. Knowing that you had a, you went to a place three times a week, one of the nights was dinner with everybody. Right. Wednesday night dinner. Right. It's, a, it's an insular you know? social experience. Um it's a good experiment as well. Tribal, and it, it, that's what I'm saying it on the tribal aspect. Others, you know, everybody else that's not in your three mile radius that goes to that church right, right. is other. Yeah, know? yeah. So, so how was the um when, when you uh, when you were doing hog stuff and getting into music and starting out? When did you decide to pick up an instrument and start playing? Um. Uh, I, I started playing. Uh, just you know, my brother had a snare drum. He's four years older than I, okay. than I am, and I started playing just snare, tapping around on that as a what, kid. Like Thirty-two, like, thirty-three. I'm thirty-nine. Are you really? Mm-hmm. You're holding yours good too, brother. <laughs> doing good, doing good. Keep it up. Hold I'm forty-six, up. so. Oh, hey, you're looking awesome. Shh. <laughs> I sold that. I sold that letter. I sold that letter. Tricks on him. I don't have a soul. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll totally sell you my soul for we're, sure. We're holding on. <laughs> yeah, man. Cheers on that yeah. one for sure. Thank you. Um. But so yeah, when did the instrument? What instrument really? Um, like guitar. When did the drums when did you and piano were uh, first? Yeah, I say that, but like about seventh grade, I was playing bass. Too, but uh, yeah, drums and piano were kind of the first because I got a drum kit in sixth grade and I was taking piano lessons. Did you ever kick? Football. Did you ever kick it with the like the band in school, like playing horns and trumpets I was, and shit? Did I you was kick section it with leader in <gasps> middle school band. I was a drum. Uh, yeah, I was a section no shit. leader in eighth grade band. Jello. And then I got to. <laughs> I never got a section leader. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I played. I played uh, tuba. 
Oh, cool. That would have been my second choice. It, which was a very fucking fun... I uh, very rare. enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I would, that's actually... I would like to... I'm a bass guy, now. too, so I think that's probably it. I love bass so much. Tone's cool. Yeah, man. And at football games, I remember and major sitting in the, the, at the student <laughs> section here in, like, drumline and tubas. Oh, and yeah. Just had, it was just a Lots of power. Cool, strong sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. So... And I was 13 and 91. That's some football stuff going on right there, folks, football. just in case you was wondering. There's some footballing. There's some dudes getting CETs and stuff. Yeah, yeah right. People are just <laughs> big fans of 1991. Everybody, everybody else was 13 know, and right? 91. I know, seriously. Um, so, <laughs> it's just like it's 1991. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were 13 and 1991, Nirvana were your Beatles. Yep. If you were you know, like a redneck kid and that was your first introduction to aggressive music or it's like the Tennessee Headhunters well you had melody you had <laughs> you like you had, I pulled that out <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I was an Alabama kid I was like in uh, <laughs> in kindergarten we would listen to that Alabama tape and my, yeah yeah and my aunt's uh, Dodge Ram oh okay <laughs> over and over again see so. my family they're all yahoos up north they're all like northern rednecks but they all do the wango tango oh yeah it's all nugent right. it's like it's like rock country it's right. like Mo- right. they do more like blackfoot totally it's a they more, do blackfoot over molly hatchet so, so northeastern rocker yeah vibe. yeah totally yeah. way more Working class rocker. Yeah, yeah. Where you didn't, you didn't, I mean, you had that in the youth in the South. Yeah, definitely. But it was much too Protestant for that to be. There. Oh, yeah, for sure. Too wild, too wild. Yeah, no, Florida might have been different, but South Georgia was still under the moors of that, that, you know, Southern Baptist kind of yeah. Methodist Protestant See, I think, stuff. Yeah, Sarasota, like, it was big enough at that time that you could. It was, you know, you you had your metalheads, you had your, right. I mean, like my aunt who was closest to me, like she went and saw, she was like, she was in that age group where she saw Quiet Riot, mm. Twisted Sister, nice. all like all pretty much all the good Iron Maidens, all the good Priest mm-hmm. concerts, like from like seventy eight, and all those bands like, knew their demographic and they came to Florida and she knew, too. Oh, dude, seventy eight to eighty four. I mean, she hit them all, and she had the baseball t- shirts for all of them, like nice. all the tour shirts. She actually brought me to my first concert, Injustice for All, with Queensryche, in Lakeland, Florida, when I was 15. Nice. Polk County. Huh? Yeah, man. She got me drunk on Seagram's and got me stoned <laughs> as fuck. We was driving in a 73 Toyota Celica, yeah. and it was the shit, and we were playing Metallica the whole way there. Oh. And we were getting my 13-year-old cousin broke on Seacrest. <laughs> Florida! Yeah, man. Florida! Hey, you know what? People talk shit, but Florida has way more culture. And it's way less pretentious as people living authentic lives. Can I, can I ask you, being from Georgia and being from a smaller... Were you? Did you do like FF, like Future Farmers and all that I kind of stuff? I was a 4-H kid. 4-H kid? 4-H wasn't as... Uh, wasn't as bro, although because we had a lot, had, we had a lot of that in Sarasota. Oh, totally, yeah. Up. There was tons of FFA and 4-H, but I showed hogs every year. I showed in a, the county hog shows starting when I was in kindergarten all the way until I was a senior in high school. Yeah, but I always did it through 4-H. But I was always super jealous. My brother had that sweet FFA jacket. That, that was cool the one to blue get, man. Color yep, with that, yep. corduroy, man. <laughs> the, that jacket is probably the biggest recruiting technique for it the because it looks so dope. Yeah, no, that was that's true. You should do a Jonathan like your t- I band, want it, man. And I make want your own little like like little patchy kind of like and with the four things and do your own thing, I'll dude. Rip them off, man. I want to do a Ramones like seal, but the FFA <laughs> yeah, seal. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be awesome. So, guitar happened when, then? Um, about 7th or 8th grade, somewhere around there. So, your third, so that was what year? That would have been about 92 or 3. Two years after I graduated high school. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I graduated in 97. Oh, I wish I would have graduated in 97. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we're holding on. Yeah, we're no. Doing right. good. So, 92, so that was, you were, you're, so you... You definitely have country influences, and definitely '92. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, me, not a country fan mm. at all. 
Oh, even, my grandfather, even older, like Hank Senior. <gasps> it's I can listen Cause, to cause most, Hank Senior and Patsy. Uh, most people's. I think it's because my conception of country is modern pop country. Yeah. Well, my grandfather, that's all he listened to, uh, pretty so much. Some... And I think that might, like, I could handle negative connotation. I could, I could handle Johnny Cash for sure, a hundred percent. Because that's one thing. My grandfather, there's a few. Th- it's weird. My grandfather was a very odd man. He believed in. He didn't like you if you were a different race, but he, des- he believed that you deserved a fair fucking chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Gotcha. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. there's no reason why you shouldn't get a chance because, I mean, I grew up poor. He knew he grew up poor. He knew where mm-hmm. he came from, so he knows. He knew what poor was. Right. He didn't trust. You know what? It's because people are largely a product of their immediate environment, and even if they, at their core, are are good people that uh, their natural inclination is to uh, be empathetic and, and feel feel for uh, humanity. Yeah. Because they live in such a repressive environment that dictates the, uh, the mentality that you have to adhere to. Nope. It's very true. They adopt that shit because, you know, if you don't... What are you facing? Well, yeah, you're going to... You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be excommunicated from the it, tribe. But or see, the, it's you know, it's so funny though. Is it's I think I find it easier for us nowadays to feel okay with being excommunicated from the tribe than they. Oh did. yeah, I gave that shit up a long time ago. Yeah, right. Like just it's just like I'm like like religion. Let it go. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I was can't like, Bye. I can't live. There's so many. That's the sad thing about. People from that area, because I know I know of people that are smart enough to see beyond that uh, mentality and, and that paradigm. But it not only takes the ability to see it; it takes the courage to not be that and to actively be yourself at all costs. And that a lot of times that you know that might mean until there's enough of you to form, yeah, or you know, a, a decent enough sizable crowd yeah you might be a minority but if you're a brazen minority like that it's gonna embolden other some other redneck kid down a dirt road to be like hey you know what? I feel that way too yeah cause and, I mean I and I'm not gonna apologize for what feels so natural and logical and rational to me I mean cause there ain't no lie I mean my, my accent I'm a hit <laughs> I, even though I was born in New Hampshire, I grew up in Florida. You know, yeah. like, you can't deny the fact. I'm not the brightest hick, either. <laughs> I was not a school hick. I was the I was the party kid who wanted to be different kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like I, I, got, I always got along with cool people that were cool with me, it just seemed. It didn't matter where they were. It's kind of like SLC punk. Yeah. You know, you had the normal kid with the, with the, with the polo shirt yeah, on. Yeah, they're my favorite Who was cool punks. with punk kids. And then you had the weird kid, and mm-hmm. then you had the goth kid, and then you had the you know that, the that gay normal. kid, and then you had the you know everybody, and no one gave a shit. It's like everybody just hung out and was fucking cool, you yeah. know. And and in our early days of touring uh, with Ninja Gun, this the scenes that I liked a lot that I related to the most were like Pensacola and Chattanooga because those kids you could tell that they might have gotten out of Wednesday night church. And yeah, come, and come to the yeah, punk yeah. show. Oh, totally, for sure. And they're in their Baptist khakis, dude, and their <laughs> polos. And I was like, "Yeah, man, that's how it is about us. These kids come out of sticks to go to the punk show, yeah. and um, they get their mind blown somehow, and, and and see that you can express yourself somehow, and it's not. It doesn't. It have to adhere to whatever your, your daddy or your granddaddy. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, gender roles and norms of what a young man in that social in, uh, environment what's yeah. okay to do yeah 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 because uh, yeah you're not supposed to be that expressive it's uh, there's a uh, a brand of, of southern man stoicism that <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to exhibit or whatever and and uh, being outwardly emotive yeah yeah is is viewed as a feminine uh, trait, attribute, or yeah, trait, totally. or whatever. Very much so. And so, uh, but you know, the weird thing is, the Scott Irish lineage, the history of it is a very like for for males, and it's one of the only uh, cultural uh, 
it's one of the only cultures that I've seen it be not only okay but normal for a man to stand up and sing a song a cappella to his friends. Right. And no, like, no, I get and, it. In almost any setting, not just in a pub, but just yeah, yeah. people just randomly burst into just song. Just dude, yeah, like. So it makes me wonder, within a generation or two, like, whatever repressive social mores that the Southeast were able to uh, wipe away yeah, the, the yeah, cultural yeah. norm of that norm. beautiful Scott Irish tradition of, <laughs> of just bursting into song with yeah, your friends. Yeah. You know? No, no, totally. No, no, that's a good point, man. Like, no, that's very true. That's a very, I mean, my one side of the family's, like, think they're Scottish, the other side's Irish, so that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weird mixture of, like, Scott Irish and German and Cherokee. I think my wife's gonna, we're gonna do that 23 and. Oh, cool. Because I don't know who my real dad is. Yeah. So it's like. Be interesting. Who knows what the fuck yeah. that is, you oh, know? Because cool. she she's never even told me what he looked like. Like, there's no information about right. him at all. Like, yeah. it's a mystery, dude. Yeah. Like, it was what what this dude the fuck was he? Yeah, you know. That's oh, that'd be cool. I know, right? I know. To figure out, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, he died at 45 because of bad heart." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. No. <laughs> oh. Well, so know. so seventh eighth grade, you found the guitar. Yeah. And I Did you start writing music right away? Um, to some degree, but I think I didn't. I didn't experiment with writing my first songs until maybe I think maybe my senior year of high school. Okay. Because well, I started. No, it's not like true. You, you were playing with radio. You're playing with records and stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing, I grew up playing along to my stereo, right beside my drum set. So kit, you just was... used your ability at reading notes on the piano to help with yeah, the guitar I stuff. Yeah, by ear. I guess uh, with guitar, I found my dad's old silver tone acoustic folk guitar that he had ordered from the Sears catalog in like 1964, um, and used to try to woo my mom. <laughs> and I don't think he ever like he wooed my mom, but I don't think he ever learned to play guitar. Yeah. He just sat up. And, and your was, mom's like, it wasn't the fucking guitar. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I found it, you know, like I had, at some point the urge to play guitar must have hit me, and I was like, oh, you know, I think there's one like hanging out on the top of my parents' closet. So I walked in there, and it was, you know, it's just shotgun like, fell, hit your head, you grabbed <laughs> right. the guitar. Hold on. But it, yeah, it was just missing strings, and it was just an old folk guitar with yeah. nylon strings. Oh, just very... Yes, you know, and, and uh, Spanish guitar is what... So you learned how to play, like, the presidents of the United States of America. Well, first, you know... With, like, I, two strings on it. That was my first, just kind of beat, you know, beating around and yeah. being like, oh, if you slide your finger up and down the fretboard, it makes a different sound. And, you know, just the feel Getting of... Getting the idea of mm-hmm. what it is, yeah. Yeah, I was already a percussion player, so... That fed a lot of my rhythm patterns and stuff of okay, how I yeah. strum, but um, but yeah, eventually I somehow got all the strings on it, and my dad had an it was just a chord book, just an old folk chord book with open uh, open chords, and I just learned all my open chords out of that. And by the time I could piece you know, string two chords together with some. Uh, or whatever I was uh, already had the inclination to start writing and, and singing melody because I never really never cared to be a shredder I just wanted right. to be able to get like a song out and, and singing was my primary motivation so I always kind of viewed what other, whatever other instrument I was playing as accompaniment okay. maybe and wrote from that perspective yeah yeah all right. So yeah, by high school, I was in a band called the Bleeding Gumdrops, and we were kind of like a redneck Ramones band that wrote songs about Waffle House. Do you think a lot of your, just the way that you grew up, had a lot to do with the, how you wrote your songs? You think? Yeah. Like, uh, like musically and everything. Yeah, like that. and you know, it was only With that mixture of what your your lifestyle, how you grew up, and then that mm-hmm. mixture of punk in totally, there. Totally. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until later on that I was asking myself, I, was, I remember laying on the couch and I was like, I wonder where my impulse to write melody or, or how that became what my ear enjoys, like where that came from. I was like, oh, dummy, you grew up singing out of the Baptist hymnal, which is all 
basically Irish folk songs. And then you, you know just listen I mean? to everybody and figure out where you're supposed to be yeah, at, the or rise, where you feel the most comfortable in singing in the, a large group like the, that. The, just the idea of the rise and fall of melody and, and how that equates with what's being said in a song. Right. Making the vocal inflection match with semantic meaning maybe of words or something and as a music listener now I don't really care about uh, about semantic meaning so much when I write I do but uh, when I'm listening to music it, it's more like how the syllables and phonetics like hit my ear maybe and the melody and, and stuff and then if the melody's good enough to keep me around then maybe some semantic meaning of, of lyrics might seep in and like, oh, cool, that's another layer of enjoyment. Right. But it has to get me, that melody has to be good enough to get me past that level and stick around for repeated listens. So, like, you know, semantic meaning might reveal itself to Right, me. right. But, I, I, but as a writer, though, I care about that when I'm writing, but, you know, like... When I'm singing, I care more about the way a word sings, I guess, more so than um, than what it means. Are you a? Are you? A, or do you find yourself someone who's uh, trying to give someone enjoyable music, or someone who's trying to uh, do that also maybe give some sort of message or ideology that you feel? Um. It's really dangerous when you start like proselytizing, and I mean, uh, but that's the I difference. I grew up in Florida. <laughs> I do not know what the fuck that word. Well, what's that? That's like a college pre- word. Preachy. Okay, no. I'm trying right. to get. Oh, you're message. trying to be on the soapbox. Yeah, trying no, to get no, a I message get across. But see, Thank that's the that's the <laughs> that's the difference in punk and like you know, I've been trying to write an indie rock record for for a long time, but just because you're so disgusted with the quality of modern life right uh, that disgust and indignation seeps into your writing and you have to be really careful because I think as a music fan and listener it's hard to inject enough art into that to make that overpower some preachiness now it can be done right and it can be done in a sonically, aesthetically pleasing way, but um, I just like things maybe a little more obscure. Right. I don't like uh, super literal things. That's why pop country bothers the shit out of me. Is right. Rednecks like. It's are you like, are you Dwight Yoakam? Oh yeah. See, that's uh, who I can listen to. Oh, Dwight's the real deal. That's 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 the guy. That's the only. Him and Lyle Lovett Lovett, are the only two, like, Dwight has weathered every fad that Nashville has called country music. I love the way he dresses. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm a denim guy. (laughs) He's sharp. And those songs, he's been writing the same song for, like, 30-some-odd years, and every fucking one of them is good. Yeah. Because he can write a melody... And, and his voice is fucking sick as shit. His voice is great, and he's got great control, and he has the necessary uh, idiosyncrasy or uh, idiosyncratic uh, and character-filled voice that the ear is like, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And just great melodies. And it's familiar. Mm-hmm. It's fucking familiar shit, right. and it feels. It's right. one of those things where he's taken a few primary influences and let it filter through himself naturally, and so when he goes to write, he's got all those cool, honest colors to paint with. And when yeah. people listen to it, they're like, "Where have I heard this before?" Yeah. And what they're hearing is probably the Credence that he fucking loved, and the Buck yeah. Owens that he loved. And all these things that you love too, but you're hearing that sucked in through him and then spit yeah. out with some degree of perspective. Because, I mean, like, I definitely was, I mean, Hee Haw was on the television constantly. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I got the old dudes, you know. I mean, the old stuff, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I would have to say, well, to anything, be fair, anything after 1970, 
I I get lost mm-hmm. with country music a little bit. Yeah. I get the I get I get Chris Christopherson. I get Willie Nelson. And shit, I yeah. get all that stuff. Neutered I, with yeah, strings. I get Bocephus. Believe me, I get it. You know, I get Charlie Daniels. He's uh, he was my first first you know, concert in '85 when I was a kid, and he yeah. was so fucked up that he fell off the bar stool after and this is like a Tallahassee Leon County Civic Center it's a big show and it's just him and like a couple other douchebags sitting on bar stools (laughs) on this huge stage and I remember my mom and dad took me because they're not like you know super music fans they probably had a couple friends from church that might have been a little bit more Musically just, yeah, redneck or hip more to music. And I remember my mom saying, you want to go see Bo Sievers? I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so I remember going and we drove all the way to Tallahassee, which was like an hour away, and and watched him fall off the bar stool. And I was like, oh, I guess that's music. Or that's live music. <laughs> Can't then, wait to start and, doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, looking back, I guess that did inform me. But no, he's very informative, actually, if he's you a, get to a... He's a racist piece of shit. Oh, yeah, right, I told you. He's a bank shot. He's nothing like his daddy. Oh, um, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Hank 3. He had half the character. Yeah. I met uh, Hank 3 one time. Or the content. Yeah, totally. Decent songs. Um, I met Hank 3 one time in in Tallahassee when I was younger, and I remember talking to him. He's like, yeah, I never met that dude. And uh, God, looking at him, I was like, he looks just like his grandpa. He has that real Appalachian, narrow, high cheekbone, yeah, yeah. like narrow face, and that high nasal whine, you know, that allows you to sing a certain way. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So, what part of, so when did, um, how many bands before you, like, did you start touring after high, like high school with your bands, like anything? No, Ninja Gun was the first thing that we toured. Um, I played out of town a couple times right. with my first. I played drums. My first band was this band called Life Before in Valdosta, and I was just kind of like a, a a punk band. But it was uh, well, no, my first band was called the Primates. I take that back. I was a drummer for a band called the Primates because Paul Crawford came up to me and was like, "Hey." Do you know how to play Sky? And I was like, what's Sky? And um, he's like, I, he's like Operation Ivy. And so I probably went out and bought my Operation Ivy tape right. and was tricked like everybody else my age into thinking Operation Ivy was Sky and being like, ooh, I like Sky. And then the next few years just being shit on by like a bunch of generic, like, non-aggressive non-rock and roll like upstrumming it's really <laughs> boring upstrumming or whatever right right Look, I mean I get the appeal you can dance to it there's yeah. always a market for danceable music that's right and if it has good melody I could still dig it or whatever but my point being that a whole generation of kids was tricked into thinking that Operation Ivy was what style was yeah and it was not <laughs> But yeah, so I did that. And, so when um, did Ninja Gun happen to We form? started, like, what happened there? Um, the Bleeding Gum Drops was about 98, 99, and we played at a place called Planet 10 in Valdosta, and we met a lot of the, the Gainesville crew would come up and play. Oh, yeah. Hot Water Music played there, and uh, the Habituals, which would uh, Will from the Habituals go on to be Grabass Charleston's, and and uh, we met a lot of the Gainesville crew uh, just because Valdosta geographically sits in such an ideal spot that we would get a lot of show trades and it's a unique little town in that we have an Air Force base which would bring in some uh, cultural pollination and that you know Paul Crawford was an Air Force brat he's the one that the first kid and he was a couple years younger than me but he was the first kid that I saw that had like a leather jacket and a mohawk and was listening to the Ramones. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so that was kind of my entry point, I guess, to punk rock, but I had already been listening to like, you know, Backdoor Nirvana, you know. Right, As right. a kid, you would like find out 
who all influenced them. So we were already listening to just picking, some just indie finding rock the and, stuff and picking what you could find it, what grabbed you. Right. But along uh, with the punk that was coming along mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. All my peer group, every kid that was my age, was like. Because all that fat record stuff and epitaph stuff yeah. rode the wave of grunge and, and got all that good distribution. Oh yeah, totally. And so they got lucky in that they came along in a time that those bands would wind up on the shelves of your local rural mall yeah. record store. Yeah. So some kid theoretically like me could come into some corporate like mall C D store and be like, Hey, what's good and maybe get turned on to like some punk rock just cause sheer access having access to it but um yeah I saw with it when I was 15 you know I saw Nirvana that was when uh, that was a month or two before Kurt died and the Breeders opened for him oh, on wow. the Last Splash tour yeah and I want to say it was the Meat Puppets the Breeders and Nirvana that's a good one and that was, I was like 94. And yeah, it was January of 94. And Within a year's time, at Tallahassee Leon Civic Center, I saw that show. And I saw Smashing Pumpkins, where I think Jawbox was opening. And then. Um, Actually, did an interview with Kim Coletta. Oh yeah, yeah, from Jawbox last year. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was a good. It was a really good interview. Um, and yeah, Stone Temple Pilots, and I forget who opened. Was it Red Red Meat? Maybe that might have been the band's name. But anyway, point being, enough bands had achieved a big enough size that were like indie rock and punk bands that like my formative like. 13, 14 year old experiences were like these big arena shows. Yeah. And that had kind of gone away, I think. And I think kids of the 70s and maybe early to mid 80s, a lot of their formative like music uh, consumption experiences were these big arena shows yeah. too. Yep. So, yeah, there's something special about that. I mean, yeah, I love the immediacy and the intimacy of playing a small show. But um, it's a whole different art form to see a band be able to enrapture yeah. thousands of people at one time. There's something powerful about that. So I've never like denigrated that. that yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't. There's a there. You have there's a power there if you're able to grab the attention of that many people mm-hmm. and hold their attention. Mm-hmm. There's something you're doing. Yeah, because, I mean, I've always had a short attention span. I don't like to do the things that I like to do for more than, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> I know what you mean. For sure. So Ninja Gun, you guys got together, uh, started touring, what, 2000-ish, 2001, 2002? Uh, okay, so the Bleeding Gumdrop star, uh, stops in, like, 99, maybe, or 2000, and maybe... Maybe I was just writing for a year or two, like acoustic stuff. And, um, Jeff, good plays going on. <laughs> and Jeffrey and I are cousins, okay. uh, the drummer for Ninja Gun, and so we've always, we had our, our uh, we learned to play together. Okay. He, he learned to play drums to me playing guitar, to me learning to play guitar. Uh, okay, you know? I got you. And so, uh, we were, and he was the drummer for the Bleeding Gumdrops also. Okay. That was my first play guitar and yeah, singing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so when that ended, uh, we went to Valdosta to see this little band called Caspian, and they're an instrumental band, and uh, they sounded like, yeah, they sounded like uh, uh a little bit like tortoise, that type of instrumental stuff, and we thought that was a really cool, uh, a cool thing coming from a couple 15-year-old little redneck kids, and Thad and Jake were childhood friends that grew up together in like a really charismatic church where they danced in the aisles, and 
and uh, kind of like the 70s Jesus freak stuff. But um, so we had similar backgrounds, and we were two sets of friends. And Jeffrey and I were just really amazed that these two 15-year-old kids were playing this really dynamic instrumental music, which is, you know, when I was that age, I was, I wanted to bang out some chords and be loud and aggressive, and we were just really intrigued by these young kids that could practice such restraint <laughs> with the type of stuff that they were playing, and so we poached them from Caspian and, uh, and went out to the music trailer in Brooks County and practiced. And, uh, yeah, we decided to do something, and uh, that became Ninja Gun in, like, 2002. 2002, okay. Folks, he's a professional. I had to go blow my nose because I was about to sneeze, and he kept going. So just throw some props out there because <laughs> he did a very good job. Some people freeze when I do that because sometimes you can't control especially, you know, like, but thank you so much. I just had to throw that out there because you. Were, I came in and it was like, that didn't miss a fucking beat. <laughs> Beautiful job. Thanks. Okay, so 2002. Um, and then we started. When did coming... you guys? When did the? I mean, I feel like as soon as you guys started, I started hearing about you guys. Yeah, we we were a band for maybe a year or so before we started coming down here. Yeah. We, I th- Gainesville was our first out of town show, and we played. Um, the old common grounds on university yeah, yeah. that became 1982 mm-hmm. and is now defunct is that right it's close it's, it's a bike shop now oh bike shop yeah that was the first room in town that we played and um, then we would also play common grounds and ninja gun was actually the first band to play at the atlantic no the shit very first band to step on stage who'd at you the play atlantic. with that night i don't remember i'm trying i think i might have been there. I think I worked there. <laughs> I, can't I remember Hal and Sue asking us to play, and I, I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that it was going to be the first show. But yeah, we were the first uh, first band to play. The That's game. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I know. I mean, I've, I've spoken with so many people that are from Valdosta that live here, and, and and any people that have gone through either city, and it's they they all say it's, it's just a, such a weird. Uh, we're very complimentary to one another, the two towns. Yeah, totally. And it's such a it's a it's 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 a dichotomy that you wouldn't imagine that would happen. Yeah, well, I, and what's you know what great I mean? It's just kind of like, like a very artistic happenstance, which was like it's we're a mutual for recognition and a mutual appreciation. But what's funny is, um, I think you know, like, well, Valdosta's always had a thriving little scene. Yeah, I'm really you guys proud always of that. had fucking people fucking playing, dude. Yeah, and there would Which always was, be about five bands. Like you guys would have that, just like almost as many bands as Gainesville would have You're like way smaller. Yeah. You're like, and what's cool is that it wasn't, I don't know if it's still that way because I'm out of the loop, but it wasn't college kids. Yeah. Well, shit going on at B-Town, man. Yeah, There's right? always stuff happening. I bet. Good stuff. <laughs> um, well, I always thought that the the kids growing up in that kind of Protestant tradition up there, a lot of them, even if they didn't grow up church, like, firsthand, that melodic tradition is heavily ingrained in that culture. Oh, for sure. And so I think that bleeds over when, like, and what I really love is that no, none of our bands, it, it always seemed like we all could appreciate what each other were doing, and none, nobody ever came out of there that was big enough for there to be like a bunch of people trying to like mimic a sound that okay, was already right, successful, right, right. yeah. So you had this I could really play our wide first sound that sounds a lot like hot water music. <laughs> <in the early days. laughs> it's still on sale on Amazon. It was nice. on Magic Bullet Records. <laughs> nice, awesome. Ninety nine um, cents a song. Hey, man. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. It's a good time. Well, um, but yeah, there would always be like five bands about us to that like we're doing something completely different yeah and so you would root for each other and we always like we were always underdogs and when one of us would leave town and ninja guy was kind of like the first band to do a decent amount of touring you just get going there. Yeah. yeah 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 blood shovel did some shows out of town i don't know they really like toured tour yeah. a lot but um 
but yeah, there again, you know, we were a part of that scene, like, uh, well, that was like Valdosta Grindcore band, and like, then you got Ninja Gun, it's kind of a melodic, like, uh, you know, band that's heavily influenced by punk and just whatever, I guess, and so we were a hyper-melodic band existing in the punk, in that punk scene, yeah, that yeah. was kind of like the Gainesville, Valdosta semi like California yeah like uh, cross stuff but um yeah that's why I've always been proud about Oscar's contribution and like and I've always heard from Gainesville bands they're like what the fuck is going on about us that's what I always wanted people to say is yeah. what the fuck is happening about us yeah. Georgia that would create um this level of quality bands coming out of there. Like, for such a good period of time, too. Yeah. Like, from the 90s. Yeah. From the fucking 90s, You know what? There man. were bands... Well, 20 fucking years ago, like, were, you guys were doing that shit, too. There were kind of some grungy bands that would play in Drexel Park that were my brother's peer group that yeah, I was yeah. aware of that kind of that weren't punk rock necessarily, but they were in that of vein. that time yeah, yeah. and influenced by that time. But my peer group in like the kind of 96, 97-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe even a little before that was the first kind of like Valdosta punk rock. Right. Um, I say that, but even in the 70s, there was some freaky shit going on in Valdosta, Georgia. There was a band called The Unknowns, and they had they got signed. They recorded in this old house on Patterson Street in Valdosta on a reel-to-reel and sent it to Sire Records and got signed and were the shit for about 10 minutes and then the singer got um, in an accident and became a paraplegic and had a harder time touring and stuff and so it kind of messed it up but they were just this weird like um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it but just like good ass songs There's, uh, check it out when you get home there's yeah. one called um, Don't Get Angry. And the name is? Uh, the Unknowns. The Unknowns. I've heard of that band. Um, there's probably like, there are probably might be a bunch. Yeah, yeah. So The Unknowns, and what's the name but of the song? Bruce Joyner and the Un- J-O-Y-N-E-R. Okay, I'll look it up. And The Unknowns. Um, but no, all those guys that were in that band went on to be big time producers and stuff. And um, uh, uh, Don Fleming, who's a, a big big time producer and he's worked with a lot of big acts uh, um, from Adel, Georgia was part of that and Mark Neal is a, uh, a big name big name producer yeah. and he's back in Valdosta uh, he's got a, he moved a studio there and um, but no, all that Word. just to say that there, there, there's some, yeah yeah totally yeah exactly folks just let me tell you something if you want to be smart about your musical career find a very fucking cheap town to live in and uh, you know record there you know like because believe me New York might be cool to record in but it's expensive as shit yes and things move too fast there like seriously I always wonder because coming from a place like South Georgia you know like it's the, the heat alone breeds introspection yeah because it slows everything down and um things just the pace of life is slower and I think it I think it lends itself to um just the type of introspection that uh, you know might allow for uh a song to marinate properly not right. that you can't I mean I think the city like that's why music from cities has more pace and purpose sometimes you know you know, listen to the Stooges and yeah it does sound like the Midwest but, you know so you know, the Ramones and Johnny Thunders do sound like the subway you know <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah totally and uh <laughs> in the same vein, I think there's a more stretched out melody and and, uh, and and that type of elongated vibe with Southern punk rock because yeah. that's just the foundation of it. that's how people speak. I think yeah. it all comes down to the language of the area, and you can yeah. tell like with the Northeast, like people have really terse, quick speech. Yeah, you know, really purposeful. 
and um, same with like the Midwest or something where you yeah, have that yeah, really yeah. heavily Germanic uh, yeah, yeah. speech and maybe that lends itself to a real syncopated uh, like Minnesota yeah, Chicago totally, like, oh, yeah all those areas totally have, have their own like like and we don't have to talk about California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they're doing out there. Yeah. Everything. Well, you know, people would always ask, like, why don't you move somewhere where there's, like, uh, a bigger, a more scene? recognizable scene or, or whatever. And Valdosta's well, pretty fucking recognizable. Well, though. yeah. I mean, my thing was when you're driving down I-75, you're going to go through Valdosta and you're going to see that sign. And why not have Ninja Gun be the only thing that you know about Valdosta? Like, exactly. You know, and, and um, or it's a recognizable town name and a lot of people see it just because of geography and plus why would you want to be from Completely. See, you can't even say Valdosta with everybody freaking out. They're definitely not watching a football game. They're just listening to us talk. It's a good, it's a good audience. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. I mean, well, this will be the one time you'll get a live interview. Like this, so just take it in, soak it in. So, folks, just in case you're wondering, that was for us. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Ninja Gun doing that. So what do you got working now? What's the... Uh, um, I'm in a band in Athens, Georgia, where I live now, um, called Divine an Feet. Athens, Georgia man now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, does, what what made you twerky kind of stuff, or just um, life-changing? Or? Yeah, some of that. Um, Troy and I were living on Northwest 4th Ave here in town. Yeah. And uh, the house that he had been living in for years, and I had been living in for just a few months, or maybe, I guess six months or something with him uh got sold and the new owner jacked the rent up from eight hundred dollars to fourteen hundred dollars a month fucking twatter so we were like f this s let's jump ship yeah because he had been in town here for a long time and wanted to move to atlanta which he did and i moved to athens why not yeah because it was always somewhere that i you know kind of wanted to live and experience for a little bit and um, yeah I mean that town is built on art and music yes I've never seen another town that has so much of its local infrastructure based around art and music right and Gainesville's great and there are real the realest music fans here but there's just not as much infrastructure like when I go to work with my water job up there there's a vinyl pressing plant in the same building as me so, whenever I record something, I can just go to work one morning and watch my record being made right next to me. And so, yeah, it's like, it's kind of a, a dream spot for an artist, just because, especially writing the type of songs that I do. Yeah. That are kind of these melodic, whatever, uh, weird redneck indie rock or whatever, right, right. you know? Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's just a lot of infrastructure there for that type of stuff. Can can can, can we touch on something? Because sure. I'm curious. Because like, I, I noticed you said redneck a few times, and I say hick. Mm. Is do you feel? No, I've, it's not derogatory. Not no, not derogatory. I'm saying um, can be. It's it's a way. I, I think the way that you're using the way that I'm using it, we're trying to explain to people that. There are southern people that grow up in the south mm-hmm. that are redneck and hicks mm-hmm. that listen to punk rock music yeah. and and are are southern just because they're southern right. and and they pick up certain traits and and, and, and ways of, of being but that doesn't make us the the, the the what what most people like Mississippi burning redneck or oh, hick yeah, yeah, you know yeah, like people well, like like that's the one thing redneck. yeah we're different like that's what I'm trying to like it's yeah. kind of like 
that's why the first Clutch album is my favorite. I call it. I call it Redneck. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love the, the, the first Clutch album. Yes, I'm a New World Samurai, but a redneck nonetheless. That's fucking a brilliant li- yeah. line. Well, we're New know, like, World Samurai. We're the first we're generation of, of kids that are globally aware and. But from the south. Yeah, but from the south, and so we have. And we were we were lucky enough to to have the ability to learn that too. Right. Because a lot of people we know don't have. They didn't make it out. The cognitive the cognitive ability right. to learn it. Right. You know what I mean. Well, that whole culture is built on blind faith and uh, horse blinders. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and accepting the local mentality and theology and theology sure. because. Uh, is what you do and if you don't you've, you're not part of the group bro yeah yeah you're ostracized yeah you're not in the tribe if you don't do what we said but shit man i'm not going to keep a, you any longer we hit 55 minutes oh wow cool. it was that fast oh yeah we're gonna talk again this 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 will happen again i i don't want to take any more of your time no i haven't had I, fun this is awesome I, I appreciate you doing this very much oh, thank you it's cool. um as someone who is a fan of music, I appreciate your artistry. I appreciate you, everything you've done for art and what you've done, what you've given to us here in Gainesville over the years. Well, thanks, it's Gainesville's. A- uh, it, it made us. We we were some redneck kids, and we came down here and didn't look anything the part. And people judged us based on the merits of uh, what we were doing. I think that's what people misunderstand about Florida in some parts of yeah. Florida. People we're, we're, in, we're not people as judgmental. A lot of us, the, the new renaissance yeah. folk, aren't judgmental like most people would think. Florida's full of rockers, man. Yeah, Real like we, we, yeah we like to rock and we like to have a good time. I've been and we to like a lot to... of places where people work really hard at being weird. Yeah. No, and they're self-consciously point. weird. Even though we're Florida, all weirdos, they try Florida to Florida is they try. authentically weird and beautiful because of it. It's because we're I a state it. of artists, really, I well, believe. Yeah, like I say, we're all on the run from something. Yeah, yeah that's what Florida is. <laughs> that's why everybody homesteaded this motherfucker, man. <laughs> <It's a> pri- <laughs> Get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, South Georgia and North Florida it was a prison. It colony. might as well be Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yep. Utah is the Africa for white people. Right, yeah. That's why, that's why we got so much flavor. <laughs> I heard down that here. joke the other night. Somebody said that on a <laughs> podcast, and I thought Utah is the Africa for white people. Oh, wow. I was like, that's the funniest fucking shit I ever heard in my entire life. Utah is the Africa for white people. I could see it. They're multiplying. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they breed. <laughs> they don't it's fuck awesome. around. Many wives. Reproduce and multiply. Almost the same idea as tribal ideology, too, in Africa. Oh, with yeah. the wivery. Huh. Because some tribes, you're allowed to have more than one wife in some African tribes. And the Mormons are the same exact way, which is a very interesting concept that they would pick up a, a, a ideology from a... Something that's been around for way longer than they yeah, were. I think the, the, the <laughs> patriarchal impulse must be super. S- yeah. Something <laughs> pervasive cross culturally or something. I don't it's got to be. It's got to be. It's it's inbred, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. in men, I guess, in a way. But no, thank you so much for doing this. Um, tonight you will be playing a show here. Yes. At Lucy's, mm-hmm. and uh, this actually I'm going to be putting this up tomorrow night on my oh, cool. podcast. Um, at some point soon, uh, Divine Feed's going to have a record. We're recording it with Kyle Spence. He's the drummer of... Uh, Perfect. Of, uh, well, he's a sometime drummer of uh, Dinosaur Jr. And he's the drummer for Kurt Vile. Okay. And he uh, is a super talented uh, engineer. Okay. And we're recording in his studio right now. I'm really curious to hear. I can't wait to hear what you're doing. They're shaping up really cool. I like them a lot. Like these how many pe- how many people in the band? We're a three piece. Um, it's me uh, playing guitar and singing. So fun could be so hard. Yeah, you know. In it, many ways, it makes you it makes you become more artistic. It makes you try. Yeah. Probably opens you up a little bit more too. Yeah, a little Unless bit. Unless you're going but, for the open air, trying to let them kind air of tight, kind of stuff. Kind of tight little pop songs. Okay. And there's not like a, well, there's no solos. You said pop yeah. songs, my nipples are hard. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but the band is Divine Feed. So uh, hopefully sometime this year might be 
early 2019. Okay, so if people are looking for your music, where can they find it? What what, what are your social media? Um, I'm on SoundCloud. I just put under uh, Ninja Gun or no. This is a Cootie Dash One. Cootie Dash One. C O O D Y Dash One. You Instagramming it or Twittering yeah, it and stuff too? Um, Cuckoo Cootie. At Cuckoo Cootie is uh, my Twitter and uh, and um, Instagram handle. You got the Cuckoo Cootie. <laughs> yeah, so hit me up. Yeah, you guys check the stuff out. Say hello to them. Uh, give them some feedback on the interview. Uh, tell them to interview with someone who's got more talent next time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and uh, no, man. Again, I appreciate your time and and. Uh, and everything that you've uh, done today and uh, have a good show tonight and uh, the best to you because I know it's going to happen awesome thanks appreciate it John thank you you guys take care take care of one another hashtag blue lives murder and um, put down the guns and uh, take care of one another look out for one another if you can lend a helping hand please do pay it forward any fucking time you can and just take care of one another and be kind alright y'all deuces deuces